Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, a journalist discusses how communism destroyed his country and warns North Americans who are flirting with socialism and Marxism to be careful what they wish for. I'll say this. I know you're not going to believe this. When you hear it, you'll think it's just made up. And I know that no words can express and you will not believe it, right? Because you don't want to believe it, unfortunately. But when it happens, it'll be too late. And then you remember that there was somebody who told you about it, who warned you against it. Unfortunately, you just didn't listen. Check out the huge selection of Strange Planet merchandise in my online shop. Go to strangeplanet.ca and click on Shop in the menu or find the link in the episode notes for this podcast. At my Strange Planet shop, you'll find unique men's, women's, unisex t-shirts and athletic shirts, leggings, tote bags, mugs, neck gaiters, and stickers and more all emblazoned with amazing artwork designed exclusively for my Strange Planet shop by artist-illustrator Rick Forgus. If you're a fan of Strange Planet, why not show it off? Go to strangeplanet.ca and click on Shop, or go to the episode notes for this podcast and click on the link. It's a strange planet. Dress for it. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Monday. As Canada and the United States continue to veer sharply to the left, I thought of an acquaintance of mine who lives and works in Poland, a country ruled with an iron fist under a brutal communist regime for nearly half a century. Adam Borowski is here to talk a little bit about his country's history, Poland pre-communism, and then life behind the Iron Curtain, as well as Poland today, which still suffers from some of the vestiges of living under totalitarian rule 
more than 30 years after the collapse of the evil Soviet empire. Adam is a 34-year-old journalist, international relations enthusiast, a Polish-English teacher, and a translator with a passion for the unexplained. In 2016, Adam lived in Chengdu, China, for a few months, where he promoted the Polish language and culture. Chengdu is a city around 1,000 kilometers from Wuhan, although Adam never visited that city. He's currently looking for a literary agent or a publisher for his alternative reality novel, Euthanizers, Escaping Hazmat Demons. The link to a snippet of this novel can be found at facebook.com slash escapinghazmatdemons. Adam is a contributor to the oldest English language newspaper in South Korea, the Korea Times. The newspaper is 70 years old and goes back to the Korean War. He's written 56 articles for that paper covering a wide range of topics from politics to spirituality. Adam Borofsky, welcome back to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? Hi, Richard. I'm great. How are you? Terrific. Thank you. You're a working journalist living in Poland. What part of the country are you in? I'm in Warsaw, the capital. And how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, 35 years old, 1995, 8th of June, so yeah, 35. So you were only four when the Berlin Wall came down, five when Lech Walesa was elected as president of Poland. You, you surely don't have memories of life under communism. That's, that, that's correct, Richard, but I do understand how it works because unfortunately this mentality, it continues, right? It doesn't just stop. So even though it, the communist you know, the regime stopped or ceased to exist, uh, the mentality is still there, unfortunately, in many cases. Right, but your parents grew up under communism. What did That's they, right. What did they tell you what it was like growing up for them? Oh, it was, uh, well, my father worked uh, you know, in a diplomatic capacity, so that was a bit different, and the, he has many interesting stories. Uh, I can give you an example, for example, martial law, right, 1981. Um, there were, you know, checkpoints, and you had to be really, really smart, not you know, to attract attention. But for in, you know, for your average citizen, it was really, really difficult. You really had to be very careful. You knew that every call that you made was recorded, et cetera, et cetera. It was really a different era. It was um, a different experience. Uh, there, there was a famous, iconic uh, photograph. Maybe, maybe you saw it. Uh, the time of the apocalypse with the tank at, at the front of the uh, movie theater. Right? It was uh, it was the famous uh, photograph. Uh, in Polish, it's Czas Apokalipsy, which is uh, kind of difficult, I guess, for English speakers. But it's a great photograph. I recommend seeing it. And what was life like for your parents growing up or even before you were born? Well, communists will tell you that everyone is equal, right? Well, that's, of course, that's a lie. Uh, if you wanted an apartment, you had to wait for years, unless, of course, you were connected to the party, in which case you got it much faster, Right. Uh, food shortages, yes, but if you were in the privileged class, uh, it was much easier for you to get food, uh, especially if you had American dollars, right? It was even better because then you had special stores where you could just buy whatever you wanted, basically, like, let's say, um, bananas, you know, other exotic types of oranges, of fruit, etc., right? So that, was, that division was there, uh, even though officially everyone was equal. Right? But some animals are more equal than others, as uh, the uh, saying goes. Talk to me about the spying apparatus in Poland. Were your family members, did they feel that oppression? Oh, yes. Did they feel that they were being of spied course. upon? 
Yes, Richard. When you wanted to uh, go somewhere else, go abroad, especially outside of the sphere of influence of the Soviet Union, there were usually others who were watching you. And when you, let's say, overstayed somewhere, when you went back, you were questioned. And your family members could be questioned as well. And it wasn't a pleasant questioning. So absolutely, you couldn't just go out like when you wanted to. To get a passport was extremely difficult. It really, you know, you needed a lot of influence to get a passport. You just couldn't just leave like that. And uh, even then you had to be careful because let's say you defected or escaped. Um, your family members were watched and, you know, could be in danger. Just the way it is in North Korea, for example. But of course, North Korea is... Uh, an even more extreme example, not exactly of communism, but there certainly is a part, an element of communism there, right? What about neighbors? Did they? Did neighbors spy on neighbors? Absolutely. Uh, it was uh, anonymous, and uh, it was widespread. And as a matter of fact, even today, there is this joke. Uh, it's still widespread, right? We, we have this, um, how, how would you translate this? Uh, I kindly snitch, I kindly tell on others. That's basically loosely translated. That's how it goes, right? This mentality that you observe others, you watch others. For example, your neighbor has a better car. Well, that's not good, right? You get envious, you get jealous. So you try to find, you know, let's say the IRS, right? Well, perhaps there is something wrong with his taxes, etc. So that's, that's what you do. Unfortunately, that's still quite widespread. And it's a legacy of the previous, you know, regime, basically. After Stalin died in 1953, yes, there was kind of a political thaw, and that that allowed, my understanding is, a more liberal faction of the of the Polish communists to gain power. And so, I mean, did your parents ever talk about, or your grandparents ever talk about that period following Stalin's death and this? thought did, did things get a little bit better in Poland let's say in the in the 60s yes but the uh, actually the person that really is seen as you know this um, thaw as you said this person really brought some change was Gedek uh, Edward Gedek right that's uh, his name he was the man who really uh, invested a lot in the country and turned things around there was uh, some difference uh, after Stalin died as you said but it wasn't that significant uh, I think that 70s, the 70s would probably be the uh, year when it really, uh, the, the decade when it really started to turn around, at least to some extent, until the martial law, of course. In the 70s, with this thaw, there was some protests because of consumer yes. price hikes, and there was, of oh, course, yes. Yes. the energy crisis in the in 1970, in 1973. Did your parents ever talk to you about the political crisis in 1968? There were the Polish protests Correct. in 1970. Did, did they ever talk to you about that period? Yes, uh, 1968, as a matter of fact, I know uh, there were cases where uh, I think my father actually helped uh, some people, you know, they, they were able to leave Poland. Basically, they, there was anti-Semitism, right? That the Jews were blamed for, well, the regime didn't like certain aspects of what the Jews were doing. So the Jews were told, okay, you can go back to Israel or other places, but mostly Israel if you choose to. And um, so they were given this free pass, right, if they chose to do it. And um, I know that most, as far as I know, there are many Jews who chose to, to do this, right, to, to leave Poland. Yeah, I think there uh, were about 15, about 15,000 Jews emigrated. Yes, that's right. And uh, I think that was a better option at, at this point, as a matter of fact. And it was a wise decision for, for many Jews that they did that. 
And then in 1970, you had food riots, which led to the ousting of, uh, was it Gamulka, President Gamulka? Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I know, I think it was, it was earlier, but the, the riots weren't that significant at that point. Even when you compare with you know with 2020, let's say there were some, but it wasn't that major. Uh, basically, there were uh, people were told to you know to keep it down, but but it wasn't really that that bad. It got way worse in about 10 years, you know, with the martial law. Uh, the food riots they were the beginning of the problem. Yes, and uh, and to what to what extent were was the uprising in Poland and the rioting inspired by the revolution in or the attempted revolution in in Czechoslovakia in '68? Well, that's an interesting story because uh, even to this day, the Czechs don't really like po- the Poles for simple reason that Polish army was used to uh, quash uh, to stop the uh, you know crush the uprising in, in, in Czechoslovakia, right? And uh, that was done because of the Soviet pressure. So um, even to this day, you have this animosity there. So uh, the Polish army, they did, we did not want to intervene, but we had to, right? Because unfortunately, there was this Soviet pressure that forced. The, uh, the Polish army to intervene. My understanding was sort of at its height, the secret police in in Poland, there was something like one secret police official for every 800 Polish citizens. How brutal or violent was that regime? Were people routinely- Really violent. Routinely disappeared, murdered? Yes, uh, there was a case of, uh, there were many cases, for example, of uh, young people that just, you know, finishing school and disappearing that it was pretty routine unfortunately in many cases uh, but I think Richard the key here uh, before all this is to understand that um, uh, Stalin just going back he rejected the Marshall Plan right um, so the economic aid to Poland it just didn't flow right to the way that to Germany and other places in Western Europe and that's when the problem really started and then it you know it got worse and worse over time and the consequences are felt to this day unfortunately because of that disparity right the usa just did not get to poland because as stalin had said well no we were not going to have it and the consequences of that were felt throughout the years even today so i think i would like to stress this as uh, this is the key to understanding even today right what's happening and the economic disparity why so many poles need to leave somewhere else um because that, that's the reason. In October of 78, many Poles sort of continue to believe this was a, a miracle uh, when yes. the Archbishop of Krakow uh, yes. was elected Pope, Wojtyla, uh, John yes. Paul II, uh, Cardinal Karol Wojtyla. What, what do your parents tell you about that, that period in Polish history? Well, it's a famous, uh, there's a famous mass in Warsaw, right, where when, when the Pope said, you know, um, when basically that was seen by communists was seen as an act of defiance, right? Because he was there surrounded by millions. And there's a definite veneration for the Pope in Poland, but there are some issues with that given the um, pedophilia uh, issues, right? Unfortunately, in the Vatican, in the church. So it's not as pristine, it's not as immaculate as it was, but there is a definite veneration because of the, uh, the Pope's role in uh, bringing down communism, right? So we have Wałęsa and of course the Pope. Uh, Jan Paweł II, as we say in Polish, right? John Paul II. But today, it's less uh, venerated. It's less. He's less uh, revered than than in the past because of various scandals that you know were right. uncovered in the Vatican. Sure, but at the time, um, yes, definitely. Uh, he, On the right. time, he was an anchor. Yes, he right. was an anchor. He, he was. 
Yes. He didn't call for rebellion, though. He, he, I think he, he encouraged the creation of what he called an alternative Poland. Yes, and he said that, if I remember correctly, Lucy translated as, if let the Holy Spirit descend on this earth, on this um, nation, on this ground, right? That was the message. And this in itself was, of course, an act of defiance because communists were atheists, right? They were the power. So, but they couldn't do anything. He was too powerful. And he was really smart. He knew how to talk to them. Uh, he knew how they thought, just the way Valencia did. Um, he, they understood their mindset and they, they knew how much they could do and you know where, where the limits were. So that's why Pope was definitely, definitely really significant, you know, bringing down communism in Poland and of course in other places, um, areas right nearby, like the Czech Republic and the Eastern, Eastern part in Eastern Europe, right? The labor unrest that began in the Lenin shipyard yes. in Gdansk, beginning in August of 1980, I think it was. Talk to me about what caused that, what happened. Well, basically, um, you know, Soviet pressure was the cause. Uh, and of course, economic reasons was not our cause. And there is this famous uh, anecdote where, you know, Wałęsa jumps over the fence, right? As we say in Polish, it's, it's, um, it, that's basically the story, right? Because to, to illustrate that, of course, it's, I think it's a, it's a myth, but it's a very strongly embedded myth that he you know, jumped over the fence and it symbolized this uh, start of a different era, right? Of solidarity, basically. And so the real reason, as I said, was Soviet pressure. But of course, it wasn't really stated because they were very careful. Valenza was very careful not to say too much because he understood that the Soviets were extremely powerful, right? So he knew how much he could push them and where the limits were. Uh, because unfortunately, then the martial law was a result. You know, there were, there was, it was a response to this, you know, the solidarity, right? Um, just, just, just to explain it, Richard, better. The situation was, was this: economic hardship, yes, but a possible threat of Soviet invasion, which would probably re would have resulted in millions of deaths. So they chose, you know, martial law, and they said, "Okay, uh, our Soviet friends, we are not. You, you're not needed here. We're going to handle this." Right? That was the idea. And of course, then you had the U.S. And the U.S. put pressure on Poland sanctions. For example, Polish planes couldn't land on JFK. Uh, just to give you an example, right? Uh, to pressure Poland, you know, to for reforms and of course human rights. Just to give you some perspective, how that's why even today Reagan is um, held in high regard by many Poles. And then, of course, the Soviet Union unravels. The Berlin Wall is taken down yes. in 1989, and um, eventually Lech Walesa becomes president in 1990. So yes. The vestiges of communism. You hinted earlier that it that it still remains, although yes, an uh, entire generation, an entire generation, and has grown up without yes. communism. So explain why I'd like it remains. To explain this. Sure, Poles are a mixture. I'd say of inferiority and superiority. As a result, we are still, we, even today, feel a bit inferior to the West. But at the same time, many Poles feel superior. And there is this messianism uh, in many, you know, in this Pol in Polish soul, let's say, that you know Poland is really special. It's chosen, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's a mixture. And unfortunately, what happened with communism is that this, you know, Pol what, what's Polish isn't really good. This sense of patriotism that you see in the U.S., for example. Well, in Poland, it's still seen as a bit awkward, and many people just don't want to express it, right? 
So for example, when you meet someone, let's say, and you talk about Poland in really, you know, nice way, uh, there are many Poles who are going to say, nah, you know, you're exaggerating. I mean, no, it's not nothing good. You know, we have communism, this, this issue of communism, right? This backwardness. And I mean, that's not the case, but in many people's minds, um, that's what happens, right? That we, so many years lost to communism. And what happens then is that, you know, this awkward, um, for example, conversations with someone else uh, from the West uh, causes many Poles to be really awkward, really ashamed in some cases. You know, it's not really a normal conversation. It's more tense because there is always this feeling of inferiority in their minds, right? But at the same time, they have the superior, this, this uh, issue of superiority, right? The complex is another one. So it's a mixture. It's a really complex um, set of, of behaviors and, and, and thinking, as a matter of fact. The move from or the transition from central planning and uh, a communist state into a free market economy is can be painful. So are there still a lot of people in Poland, maybe uh, that lived under the regime, the communist regime, yes. that sort of pine for those days of communism? Absolutely. Absolutely. There is a, a professor of economy, a, an economist, Leszek Barcerowicz. He is responsible for this so-called shock therapy. And not everyone likes this therapy. Many people think that this shock therapy in the early 90s was a disaster. But there are many who say it was a great idea, right? But there are definitely there are people even today, for example, the Polish government today, you know, if you have children, uh, for a child, there is a specific amount of money. So definitely there is this, this mindset. Um, and there are people who would definitely go back uh, because, for example, they would tell you that, well, education was great. And in some cases, it was. That's true. Or healthcare was better, right? So there is definitely, I wouldn't say it's widespread, but it's definitely there. And it's not just among the elder, you know, elderly people. It's uh, the younger generation as well that doesn't even remember this, even though, you know, they, they understand what it was because you can just talk to people who, who went through this, who lived through this. But yes, there is a definite uh, tendency. There is a definite trend that among some people, yes. How would you characterize the the political culture in Poland right now in terms of on the political spectrum? Are most people center-right, center-left, right smack dab in the middle? Where are they? Right. Uh, right now, I'd say that Poles are, aren't really sure what they want. I mean, there is, of course, the Law and Justice Party, which is quite popular, given that they are, you know, as I said, you know, if you have a child, you get money for each child. So there is a definite strong point there. They are big on patriotism, but there are people who say that it's just just for show. Uh, so there is they're definitely influential. Then you have the opposition. Unfortunately, the opposition isn't seen as as, as strong and they're not organized, and in many cases, uh, it's just talk. Basically, there there isn't really anything that that happens to oppose the um, Kaczynski, the Yaroslav, right? That's that's the name of the uh, prime minister, Yaroslav Kaczynski. He is the uh, he basically is the most influential person in the country, even though officially he is just a member of parliament. So that's interesting in itself. Uh, he has some good ideas, but I think that given the uh, handling of the pandemic by the government, uh, the Law and Justice Party, well, this support is waning even among the uh, staunchest supporters. For example, you have the Highlanders who definitely voted for Law and Justice, but now they say because of the lockdowns, no, we are not interested. We are going to open. 
in fact, there is an, um, this protest that's called Otpirame, which is we are opening up, you know, restaurants, etc., because we just can't handle it anymore, right? We, we are not going to survive. So there is a definite issue, regardless of what you think about this pandemic, whether it's, you know, think it's imagined or whether it's real, there is a definite problem the government has, and they need to be very careful because even the staunchest of supporters are saying, well, listen, yes, it's great that you're giving us money for the kids, but there is a bigger issue here. We can't just survive, you know, with these lockdowns in place. And the opposition, of course, is using this, but they're not really effective because um, they just don't have the tools. They There is nobody really charismatic in the opposition, right, right now. Well, so, the Law and Justice Party, how would you describe them? Are they a populist right-wing party, populist centrist? How, how would you categorize them? That's a good. That's a good question, Richard. Well, I'd say they definitely want to appear patriotic. You know, for example, they talk about the cursed soldiers, and I'd like to mention a bit about you know, they're the soldiers. They were the soldiers who fought against the regime after it was officially installed in Poland. The last cursed soldier died in 1963. Now they weren't pristine. They weren't immaculate. There were some issues with them, uh, with the cursed soldiers, but in general especially in the law and justice circles, they are venerated, revered as this last vestige, you know, against the, um, the communists. So they want to appear as, you know, that they are for freedom, etc. But I wouldn't say that's the case no, entirely. Uh, it's, there is a lot of smoke and mirrors going on there. I wouldn't say they're right wing. They, again, for example, they said that there would be no refugees, that there would be no, um, rather no immigration, right? Of influx of, of you know, of um, immigrants. Well, that's not the case uh, in in many. So so there is a definite, you know, what they say and what they do isn't exactly uh, matching up in many cases. I'd say they they want to appear patriotic and in some cases right wing, but reality is a bit different. I'd say they are just pragmatic, and they uh, they are whatever they think works best at the moment. That's how I would describe it. More of my conversation with Adam Borofsky when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. 
Here's a resolution for 2021. Reduce stress and enhance your immune system. ESS60 from C60 Evo. C60 is the carbon 60 molecule known to deliver more than 172 times the power of vitamin C, 172 times. ESS60 is the purest form of C60, a known antiviral, antibacterial, and anti-inflammatory remedy that works. ESS60 neutralizes free radicals from cell metabolization and external toxins to help minimize inflammation and maximize detoxification. Further, people report better sleep, more energy, and renewed mental clarity when they take our ESS60 organic oil. To order your miracle molecule ESS60, click on the C60 Evo link in the episode notes for this podcast, or go to c60evo.com slash Richard hyphen Serrett. c60evo.com slash Richard hyphen Serrett. Buy now and save 10% by using the coupon code EVRS at checkout. Again, use the coupon code EVRS at checkout. The truth goes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Then, it is violently opposed. Finally, it is accepted as self-evident. Let me just read that again what that means. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Adam Borofsky is here discussing his homeland of Poland and life under communism. When President Trump came to Poland, it was actually his second state visit since becoming president. But in his second visit, during his second visit in July of 2017, he delivered this speech in front of the Warsaw Uprising Monument at uh, Krasinski Square in Warsaw. It is held up as one of his, his greatest speeches. Very mm-hmm. patriotic speech, singing the praises of, of patriotism in Poland, talking about yeah. Poland really being sort of the the future of Europe, an example of populism and, and nationalism and, and yes. capturing that spirit. What, what are your recollections of that speech and your thoughts? Well, we are definitely, uh, for in Poland, there is a, um, for, just to mention the, something else for a second, the visa waiver program, right, visas. We are... Poles are definitely happy because uh, the Trump administration, you know, they included us in the visa waiver program, which is great, right? Just to give, give you a, an example. And uh, about Trump and his speeches, well, yes, it's great. You know, when you talk to Poles and uh, you mentioned the uprising, you mentioned, you know, our great fighting spirit, which is definitely, you know, a fact of, of life. Um, that's great. We love it, but at the same time, there are many people who are skeptical, and uh, I think that's that's sensible, right? So, I wouldn't say there is like a hundred percent a waiver unwavering support, but he is definitely remembered in a positive light because of the visas and because of how he treated Poland by mentioning on, on the world stage, right, you know, Polish achievements, historical achievements, and uh, and our fighting spirit. Yes, I'd say there is a definite. Um, sense of um, appreciation, I, I, I put it this way. Is there still a populist mood in in Poland or, for example, um, restlessness with your membership in the EU? What do you think the next five years will hold for Poland? Will there be a, a referendum on, on the EU? Yes, the poll exit, right? That's how it's called. That uh, law and justice is often accused of trying to leave the European Union. And as far as I can tell, and as far as uh, that, what's as far as we can tell here, most polls still want to be in the EU. But of course, we realize 
what's going on with the EU, right? So it's not like um, everything is accepted. There is definite free freedom of movement. Well, not now, but you know, that's the idea. But the idea of the European Union that you know it's just uh, this idealistic block. No, that's not something that appeals to many poles. Definitely, it's more about the freedom of movement, about you know tr- make, working somewhere else that you can, and less about you know idealism. I'd say. So, I would say that if the law and justice, if they tried to leave the EU, no, that wouldn't be very popular. That would be. Um, that would be um, highly unpopular, as a matter of fact. When you see what's happening in North America, here in Canada, in the United States, with yes. censorship, particularly on the part of, of big tech, we hear rumblings from within the Democratic Party that Trump supporters are terrorists, that they need to be sent to re-education Terrible. camps. Yes. Yeah, yeah. When you see, and, and much of this sort of in the name of social justice and diversity and inclusion and all of these right. these bu- buzzwords. Does that sound familiar? Uh, well, Richard, that's one of the advantages of communism. It makes you less susceptible to this kind of language of social justice warriors, for example. Both are definitely more pragmatic and more realistic. Censorship here, no, it's not a, not, not a big thing. For The government said that we, we are not going to allow the big tech you know, just to block people here. But at the same time, it's true that the government is kind of hypocritical because they, they do it sometimes. So it's kind of they want to be for freedom, but at the same time, they tend to do that every now and then. But officially, yes, it's great that they said that, listen, it's not going to happen here what happened in the U.S. Okay, or, or somewhere else. No, we are going to allow you to you know free speech is important, right? And social justice here, there is some, but it's definitely not on the level that you would see in the US. For example, hammer and sickle, uh, you know, the symbolist of communism, of course. Well, no, that wouldn't really work here. Um, so that's, that's a big advantage, right? This political correctness that you have in the US and Canada, of course, uh, it's not as widespread in Poland, definitely not. And you can usually have a sort of a, you know, free conversation with people just you know without any sort of uh trying to offend someone or when you say you know pronouns for example he she right uh, no that doesn't really happen in poland I, I wouldn't say that's the case i would even say that in some cases a bit a bit and i stress a bit of political correctness could be useful but not not to the extent not to the extent that you have in the u.s or canada i mean this is just you know i know it from her first-hand experience this is just uh, way out there and you know the level you know of, of this is just brainwashing in my opinion or if i can say so it's uh, to me it's mental castration basically because you no longer think you're just you know i, I know how to call it that's what to me, that, that that's how i would describe it right. so yes mental Poland, castration i think is an excellent a very apt yeah term. i'd say that's that's a but with here, like in Poland, or if you find someone, you some, find a Polish person somewhere, I'd say there is a big chance that you're going to be able to have a conversation without this whole social justice, you know, uh, oh, you say this, you offend me. Sure, it happens, but it's it's seen as a kind of a joke, you know, it's seen as, oh, you know, come on, you know, what are you talking about? You know, it's a, no, we're not like that. I mean, and I like this. I like this because I couldn't stand it, right? I, I can't pretend to be this way, but, you know. It's it's just uh, you know you know Richard I mean right. it's kind of 
But, I don't know. It's funny. It's just, just it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's grotesque. Well, I guess what I'm asking is, though, when people who lived under communism, yes. and, and I've talked to people that, that came to Canada that escaped communist regimes or or left yeah. after things opened up, after the Berlin Wall fell, and they see what's happening here now, and they get very, they are very yeah. nervous because they are seeing something very similar. In other words, what happened in the Soviet Union, what happened in Eastern Europe, it started this way. Yes. It, the same things that we're seeing over here in the West, that's how, exactly. that's how the revolution started in, in, in the East. You see, Richard, that's the point, because when people see, uh, look at Poland or Eastern Europe, let's say, uh, what they see is just, oh, yeah, communist. But they didn't. they don't really ask, okay, but where did it come from, right? And there is a clear reason. There is a clear pattern here. So what, what happened in Poland, for example, you had the Red Army, right? They were going toward Berlin. And we had the Home Army, which is, was a huge underground army against the Nazis. And at some point... There was the uh, Operation Tempest, and the Home Army, for some inexplicable reason, said, you know what? Okay, we're going to uncover our positions. We're going to um, – when the Red Army was advancing, 100,000 Poles just said, okay, we, we're our, you're our allies, right? We are allies now, which, of course, was rather naive when you think about it because the Soviets weren't exactly allies when you when – you know when they're you know their history but for some reason the idea was this that when the soviets were approaching warsaw we would greet them as hosts right that was the idea this is our land unfortunately that did not happen what happened and i just i'd like to mention the uh, warsaw uprising here because it's important in this case you had there's the vistula river right it divides warsaw into two parts there was the nazi part nazi german part and the soviet part so there was the uprising happened in the Nazi occupied part, right, which is the uh, left side, and on the right side of Warsaw you had the Soviets, you had the Red Army. You'd think that the Soviets would try to help, right, the the uh, uh, the Poles. No, they they were just waiting and watching as the Poles were fought. You know the Germans and the, the chances of you know the Home Army at that point weren't really they were slim at best. Well, in some cases it was slaughter basically. And then at some point, the Soviets started pretending that they were trying to help just, you know, some artillery, uh, artillery salvo here and there. But it was just for show. Unfortunately, the Poles thought, oh, yeah, they're trying to help us. And that wasn't the case. And then when it all stopped in January, on January 17th, the Soviets entered Warsaw and they were they were the hosts, right? They were there to liberate everybody. So unfortunately, that's how it started. And of course, the problem is that many, the Polish elites, and that's another tragedy of these regimes, the Polish elites were killed en masse. There were many, right? There were probably millions, and not millions, but, but, but thousands. Um, you had Katyn, for example, right? Polish officers um, uh, in the East were killed by the Soviets. In, intelligent people, right? They were killed. And, and the Nazis, of course, did similar things. And even to this day, you can still say, you can still feel it, right? This the Polish elites were decimated, and that's one of the tragedies that you can't just forget about. So that's what communists do. And there is this story, just to mention it, that they would look at your hands. If you had dirty hands, that means you were a worker, right? But if your hands were clean, that's not good. You're an intellectual. You do not deserve to be here. 
And you know what that means, right, Richard? Right. Although I'm thinking maybe I'm wrong here, but the fact that the Red Army were welcomed as liberators, there had to have been a cultural shift in Poland before in the mindset and in the culture. So, for example, in Czechoslovakia, communism didn't come to Czechoslovakia right away in terms of the the Soviets after the war. But but the, the groundwork had already been laid there. In the 30s, yes, in the course. 1930s, and so forth, and and that often right. starts. That often starts with the intellectuals. Ha- it just like yes, it is here in Canada. So, for example, the 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 uh, academics and the media. We already see that Marxist mindset already in place exactly. here. They're already changing the culture, and I'm, I'm and wondering see, if that if Richard, that happened in Poland as well before the Soviets. Richard, yes, in 1920, there was the miracle of the Vistula, Vistula River here, because the um, the communists, uh, the Red Army at the time as well, they were advancing towards the Western Europe, right? And they were stopped near Warsaw. And that was, the, that was basically a miracle. And because had it not happened, I mean, probably, you know, the communists, uh, communists would have taken uh, Europe, would have taken over Europe probably uh, in the 1920s. So Piłsudski, uh, the uh, leader of Poland, he was responsible for this, for this miracle. Uh, and that was one example. Unfortunately, 19 years later, Stalin came back with a vengeance. And what happened was particularly tragic because you had people who were escaping you know, Nazi Germany and they were escaping to the east. And guess who was coming from the east? The Soviets were coming from the east. So many people just killed themselves because they thought that's the end of the world. So that's particularly tragic, right? And, uh, and the Soviets, when they were entering Poland, they said, we're, we are liberating you from the Polish lords. We are helping you. We are here to help you. And they were welcomed in some cases. So yes, they were really smart. It wasn't just, you know, we are invading you. No, no, it was much smarter than that. And that's how they do it. They insinuate themselves into, you know, into the government or they establish new governments. And puppet, you know, in the, and puppets like puppet individuals. There was the uh, Matryoshka, I think it's called in Russian, when you basically replace someone with someone you want. And there were some rumors in Poland that there were some leaders that were replaced. It's probably just a rumor, right? But just to give you an example. And unfortunately, because of the uprising, because the elites were killed, and so many, so many, so many people died, and elites mainly, uh, it was way easier for the uh, regime, for the Soviets, for the to install, you know, other forces here, communist forces here. So that's that's how it connects, right? Right. It's right. Um, it's on, it's on many levels. So yes, what you see here, for what you see um, in North America, uh, this uh, kind of it's not cool, you know. This intellectual side is being ridiculed intellectually. You know, people who are intellectual are seen as, you know, it's not cool. Don't be, you know, this kind of stuff. That's how it starts. Yes. That's that it ridiculed this, and then it goes on and on until, yes, one day they will knock on your door. It will happen. If that's exactly what happened in Poland, people had five, ten minutes, and then off to Siberia they went. That's exactly what happened. Well, I see right? it kind so, of happening here uh, quite a bit differently. It's it's the intellectuals that are pushing the Marxist agenda, and it's exactly you know, it happened at the same time. Yes, right. That you have. Uh, they're, you know, just because someone is an intellectual doesn't mean that they're they are they're often naive. Unfortunately, that's the problem, and that's why, you know, for example, you had Stalin. He was called Uncle Joe. He was charming, right? Right. They, they are really smart in how they do this. This is not just some, you know, the army comes in and that's it. No, 
It's multifaceted, and that's what people fail to understand, especially in the West. When you talk to people who live through this, they understand this, they see it. But unfortunately, even when you talk to someone, let's say some kid uh, in the States who has no idea about this, well, they know about it theoretically, but in practice, they, they don't know what it is. They, they, they never talked to someone, never experienced it. So yes, they, they think, oh yeah, that's somewhere out there. But no, it, that's how it starts. Well, they see the promise continues. of freedom is difficult it, because it has, Very it, it comes yes. with responsibilities and you have to work at it and, and be vigilant. And you're, what you're up against is an opposition, if they're left-leaning, that are offering people free things. It's very difficult. Exactly. It's very difficult to fight against that, free stuff. And that's what law and justice does, unfortunately. And that's why they are in power in many cases. And that's what determines their power. That's what, because they are giving away free stuff in many, in many cases. In some respects, it's so powerful that many people, no matter what they do, right? No matter what law and justice does, that doesn't matter. They are uh, great because they give money and that's what matters. And that's the danger as well, of course. Final word, uh, Adam. As you're speaking to my audience, and as someone who whose parents lived through an oppressive communist regime, your grandparents, what would you say to uh, to young people in the West who have really not experienced communism, but they may find some appeal in socialism or Marxism? I'll say this: uh, I know you're not going to believe this when you when you hear it. You'll think it's just made up, but one day when it happens. You'll regret it. And I know that no words can express and you will not believe it, right? Because you don't want to believe it, unfortunately. But when it happens, it'll be too late. And then you remember that there was somebody who told you about it, who warned you against it. Unfortunately, you just didn't listen. So unfortunately, Richard, that's what I think. No matter what we say, no matter how we uh, verbalize it, it's just not going to get through to most people who have you know, a certain vision and they think, oh, it's great. When it happens, that's when they'll, then they're going to wake up, but it's gonna to be too late by then. Adam, how do people read your, uh, your columns and also tell us a little bit about the, uh, the novel you're working on? I, I understand we can read excerpts on Facebook. Yes, um, I have a Facebook page, Escaping Hazmat Demons. That's the name of the Facebook page. I left it, uh, the link uh, in the description. I, someone is interested they can definitely click on that and i know that you write newspaper stories for the korean times, south korean korea, times the oldest english language newspaper yes in south korea correct uh, i'm a freelance contributor so i write whatever i want and of course then there is the editorial process sometimes it's accepted sometimes not uh, you know it depends and yes. how can we read your articles for the south korean times uh, so the the Korea Times, right? It's called the newspaper is called Korea Times. Well, uh, I I can leave the, the link, of course. But apart from that, just Google it. Just Google the Korea Times Adam Borovsky. That's my name, right? And then you're gonna find my articles there. And if you just type Adam Borovsky, that's my name. Uh, you can find my articles. Currently, there are 56 articles, and I cover a wide range of topics: uh, political, social, whatever you like. It's there. Adam. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. All the best. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back in a few moments to tell you a little bit about an upcoming episode. 
Did you know you can now stream episodes of this podcast on your mobile device? All you need is my new Conspiracy Unlimited app. It's absolutely free, and it's available for both iOS and Android devices. If you're a Conspiracy Unlimited Plus member, pay attention. You can now stream premium content from your mobile device. My free Conspiracy Unlimited app for iOS and Android. Available from the App Store and Google Play. Get yours today and start streaming Conspiracy Unlimited on your mobile device. Coming up next time, filmmaker Darcy Weir discusses his documentary on the life of Phil Schneider, military secrecy, underground bases, and possible alien presence here on Earth. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats, we need. We need constant petting. <laughs>